Good morning and welcome to another episode of Real World Talks with Lourdes, Natalie, and Kathy. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Today we actually have two very special guests on our podcast. We have Amanda Bussey, who is the sales recruiting manager for E&J Gallo Winery. And we also have Ramsey Hyatt, who is the business development manager of Fine Wine and Spirits with E&J Gallo Winery as well. Good morning, Ramsey and Amanda. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you both so much for being uh, here with us today. So to start off, um, can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and what led you to your current role? Sure, I'm happy to jump in and go first. Um, thank you so much again for having us. We're so excited to be with you guys today. So I, um, I have been with the Angel Gallo Winery for 15 years now. I graduated from Florida State University and I knew I wanted to go into sales in some capacity. I just didn't know it would be wine sales. And luckily had a, a great professor that kind of pushed me towards ENJ Gallo um, and interviewing for our sales leadership development program way back then. Um, and now 15 years later, I've had the opportunity to work in three different states and have probably about five or six different roles in our company in all types of different capacities. Um, and I'm now on the recruiting team where I'm getting to turn around and talk to um, other college students, just like I was spoken to, you know, a million years ago is what it feels like now. But um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. And I ended up in this particular position because I love to talk and I, I, I am very passionate. And I think you'll find the same thing with Ramsey about our, our company and our culture and give, now having an opportunity to talk about that all day and sell the company, not just the, the products. It's been a, a really interesting experience. So, and I'll jump in with my kind of route of how I got here. I was a little bit different. Unfortunately, I didn't start right out of college. I always say if I would have known that this was a job when I was in college, I 100% would have jumped on board with it um, immediately. But instead, I worked in inside sales for a little bit and was pretty miserable. I like talking to people and I like the selling part of it, but sitting in a cubicle all day on the phone just wasn't for me. Uh, but I had a, fortunately had a good friend from college who worked for the Gallo Winery and he was always talking about what an amazing job he had and how great of a company it was. And I remember saying to him, please, if you could just help me get an interview, <laughs> then I feel like I could be really great at this. So um, same thing, actually 15 years later, uh, here I am. So started our kind of traditional route. I worked as a distributor sales rep, um, always on the on-premise side of our business. So calling on restaurants and hotels, but was a sales rep and a manager and then a market manager and then a different market manager and back inside our distributor as the division um, manager uh, and now covering the state for our fine wine and spirits portfolio for Gallo. Awesome, ladies. Thank you so much for sharing your, um, I would say your background with us. Um, so the beverage industry has started to become, you know, it's always been around, but it's become much more popular. Um, and a lot of students, some may have an idea of really like what is the growth within the industry, but others are really not sure. So could you share both of you on um, the different career paths within your company and also the beverage industry? Yeah. So just within our company in general, there's, there's no one right or wrong career path. I can say um, Ramsey and I both have very different experiences, which is kind of the amazing thing about our organization. So we recruit a majority of our employees through our sales leadership development program. 
where we kind of preach there's phase one, phase two, phase three, you're going to be a sales rep, then you're going to be a manager, and then you're going to be this. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Um, I think Ramsey and I are both good examples of, of how you can kind of carve your own career path. I started out in retail sales and was interested in on-premise. I was like, wow, they're selling on what's actually in the bottle, the ratings, the, the, the wine characteristics, and they get to dress up for work, uh, unlike the, the retail side. So I just kind of voiced my, my interest in that. So I jumped over to, to on-premise for a few years. And then I, I started noticing our direct-to-consumer positions and how fun and outgoing all those people were and getting to deal with the customers directly at all these amazing nonprofit and festivals and, and different things. So I voiced my opinion again, raised my hand, hey, I'm interested in that. How do I get involved with that? Um, and then eventually came back inside the distributor as a manager. Um, and so I've done customer development after that, calling on corporate national accounts at the, the tip top level and now in sales recruiting. So throughout my career, I've kind of zigged and zagged and, and carved my own path, but it doesn't matter what you, what you major in um, to be part of our organization. We look for people with great sales personalities and, and just natural leadership ability and that's really going to help you succeed and and help you carve your own path throughout um, the Gala Winery. Because if you majored in finance, we have finance jobs. If you majored in event management, well, we have those direct-to-consumer positions that do a lot of event management. And even on-premise, they get to do with a lot of um, fun events within their accounts. So it doesn't really matter what you're, where you're coming from. There's a lot of different opportunities that we can offer. Um, Ramsey, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it's been really one of my, I think, favorite things about working for the Gallo Winery over the years. Um, you know, you start out working side by side with the people and you're, you kind of all start out at the sales rep uh, position and then to see the career paths that different people have taken, just depending upon that individual person and what their, and, you know, their skill sets are, what their interests are, uh, what they really thrive doing. Um, everyone is, has a different path, but yet everyone also um, has success and is doing something that they're really engaged with. So for me, I've stayed in the sales side and um, I've stayed on the on-premise side. So I've stayed on the restaurant hotel part of it um, and moved around the state, sort of uh, bounced around a couple times to different markets to get experience calling on different distributors and different wholesalers and learning different areas, um, but always staying on that restaurant side of things. So uh, that was the right path for me. But, you know, like Amanda said, there's tons of different opportunities just depending upon your individual interests. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. So Amanda, I have a question for you. You spoke a little bit about how you would like students to have like leadership skills for your company. Mm -hmm. Could you go in depth a little bit about the attributes and other skills you would like a student or your ideal candidate to have to work for ENJ? Absolutely. So there's kind of three big buckets, kind of what I look at whenever I'm first speaking to my candidate. Um, first of all, are those leadership skills that you just spoke about, whether you've been a manager um, at a restaurant or you've um, been president of your sorority or led a student organization on campus or looking for people that are natural born leaders simply because we're looking to hire people not to be in sales forever necessarily, but to be the future leaders of our organization and to manage their own teams at some point throughout their career. Um, the second thing that I'm really looking for is uh, what I like to say is sales personality. You don't have to have um, necessarily sales experience. You don't have to have worked in retail or, or worked in a restaurant or, or, or made, be majoring in you know, business marketing or sales or what have you. Um, as long as you have an outgoing personality, 
I can teach you to sell. We just need someone that's got uh, a competitive streak, that's eager to learn, that's super coachable um, and eager to, to learn those skills um, and, and how to be a, a great salesperson. Um, and the third thing that we really look for is, um, I guess best characterized as grit or work ethic, because there are days where they're, you know, they're a little longer than some. There are some days where, especially on the retail side, where you get to build these big, impressive wine displays, which are, which was my favorite part because it was super creative. Um, but you might break a nail and you might get a little sweaty. And even on the on-premise side, there are days where you're meeting with customers, you know, after the restaurant closes. So they're really long days. So we're definitely looking for people that, that have that work ethic and that little bit of grit and are, are, are tough. Thank you, Amanda, so much for sharing that. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of times ladies and I, when we're working with our students, we definitely get them insight from our recruitment and our HR days, but it's always a treat. And it was great to hear directly from our employers and the companies, especially those that our students are looking to get into. Now, um, the next question, um, it's funny because I was just on a call with a student and we we're talking about overcoming obstacles. And I was telling him that like, you know, some, some of the biggest lessons that I've learned in life have been coming, overcoming some obstacles. Um, so could you, both of you guys um, share with us what has been one of your biggest obstacles that you have overcame? And it could be personal or professional, whichever you feel comfortable sharing with us. I'll jump in because I think that my biggest obstacle is something that overcoming it um, affected me absolutely professionally, but it affected me personally too. So in the beginning of my career, I, I had a hard time um, having a tough conversation with somebody. So, you know, sometimes, especially when you're managing a team of people, not everyone's a rock star and you might have to have a tough conversation with somebody about where they need to improve and you know the their their areas of opportunity and that was something that was hard for me and it was hard for me even in personal relationships too if something small was bothering me to to sit down and have an open conversation about it um, instead of letting it sort of boil and fester until it, it became a bigger problem um, but then i found after really you know forcing myself to have a tough few tough conversations that being upfront and honest in the beginning uh, was actually the better way to handle uh, the issues. You know, I'm not doing somebody a favor if they're not performing and they don't know that they're not performing and they don't have an opportunity to get better. So having like just being able to really, my old boss used to call it deliver the mail to somebody that um, wasn't the easiest conversation to start. It helped me both personally as well as professionally in my career. Wow, that was really good. I don't know that I have anything <laughs> quite as impressive to follow up with that, Ramsey. Um, I can definitely tell you, I agree with you though, that having those hard conversations are not the easiest things to do for sure. Um, I think when I look at in my life and my career, the probably the biggest obstacle, and it's been interesting moving into recruiting and having these conversations with students now, is that um, I was a first generation college student out of my family, first on both sides to get a four-year degree. Uh, my family had not saved for my college, so it was something I had to from a, from a very young age, it was, I knew that if I wanted to go to school that I had to work hard um, and put myself through school. So I worked really hard to get my grades up and to, to keep, um, to become eligible for the, the Florida Bright Future Scholarships, which I think are still around, they were back then at least. Um, and then worked a full-time job and a part-time job in college while keeping my grades up and being, you know, trying to be part of a sorority and, and different things. So just learning how to, it's almost like you had to learn work-life balance while in school um, and learning how to to work hard but also being in that situation I didn't I didn't have anyone to turn to with questions I didn't have someone to help me with those um, you know entry exams or um, 
essays. I didn't have someone to say, hey, how do I do this? You know, I really had to lean on myself to figure a lot of things out myself. Um, so I think just help me build a, a, establish a work ethic more than anything. And then also um, just learn how to not be afraid asking for help when I needed it. Um, because I had to turn to someone, you know, whether it's someone in the financial aid office or a counselor on campus um, for help with things and figure things out. So that was kind of a big obstacle, I feel like that affected me both personally and professionally in the long run. Thank you both for sharing. And I can actually relate to both of you. So um, I'm actually um, also a first generation um, in my family to go to college and graduate. So whenever I had to try to navigate through going to college, it's not like I could go to my mom and dad and say, hey, can you guys help? They were completely clueless. So Amanda, I can definitely relate to you in that sense. And and Ramsey, I've been in your situation before too with um, past employees, so I can definitely um, relate to having those tough conversations. Um, so my next question um, can be for either one, whoever would like to jump in. Um, so what entry level experience do you think a, should, a student should obtain early on to have a successful career in the beverage management industry? Um. Well, I think uh, one of the things I said earlier is that you don't need any experience to get hired and to come in. But I think there's certain experiences that you can obtain early on in your career to make you successful. Um, there's a couple of different certifications that we offer um, throughout our organization that you know, the company will pay for for you to study and get those certifications just to add to your resume and add that to your arsenal. Um, but learning the, the work-life balance, there's a lot of those soft skills that you can really um, build upon and perfect early in your career that's going to help you be more successful throughout the you know throughout the, the your tenure in your career within the beverage industry. Um, Ramsey do you have anything you want to add to that like maybe some specific things that would really help a candidate or um, someone young in their career? Yeah I think that when you're in the you know the phase where you're you're still in college and you're you're working towards graduating no well I would say number one graduate that's that's a big one for sure tell people all the time just make sure you don't spend four years and not end up with a degree um, but while you're working on your career path doing things um, on the side just to help grow your overall knowledge of the beverage industry maybe that's attending like wine tastings at, at the local wine shop down the street or um, subscribing to magazines like Wine Spectator so that you're you're just aware of what's happening in the industry and you're kind of dipping your toes in it and have a little bit of experience that you can talk about what you've done, you know, kind of really in your personal time uh, to, to learn more about the business before you're in the business. And then I would say once you're at that post-graduation and you're starting out in your career path, I think it's extremely important um, to, to work for a distributor and to be a sales rep and go out there and call on accounts because really everything else that you do is going to build off that foundation. So it's, it's hard to figure out what program you want to write for an entire state um, to get people motivated to go sell your products if you've never been the person that's out there selling products in the first place. So for me, those are the two big things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Starting at the bottom and working your way up gives you so much credibility. So yes, I agree with that. And um, just to shift a little bit in terms of questions and gears, um, 2020 has been a very eventful year, but one thing that I read was that alcohol, alcohol prices and purchases have slightly increased during um, COVID-19, and I wanted to know from Ramsey, 
what is the trendiest liquor of 2020 in your winery? Without a doubt, I would say it's not even of 2020, but in the past <laughs> 15 years that I have never seen a category or a product take off like this, and that's high noon hard seltzers. And hard seltzers is an overall category. Um, it has just exploded this year. It's it's insane to all of us how much <laughs> how much of it we're selling. We can't keep it in stock. Um, and it's really that alternative to somebody who wants something with flavor but doesn't want a ton of calories, you know, doesn't want to drink a Bud Light, but wants something, you know, that's still refreshing. Hard seltzers are just on fire and high noon's definitely leading the charge for us. Awesome. Awesome. I agree with you guys. I, um, I'm always looking, even though I love like a good scotch or a whiskey sour, I'm just like, I always think about everything that I add on there and the calories. Um, but, uh, thinking about kind of like the industry, um, how would you describe the beverage industry in the past five years? And then what do you ladies predict for the future in the next five years? Um, well, the past five years it's within the entire industry and our company specifically, it's just been dominated by just growth overall. It's been really interesting to see how um, younger people are drinking wine now more than ever before, where um, used to, I feel like we were really marketing towards an older consumer with more discretionary um, income and um, and that's not the case anymore. We have, there are college students drinking wine. I, I, when I got hired, I'd only ever had one glass of wine and I didn't even like it. Um, so it's just kind of been so interesting to see how the tides have really changed and in the industry overall. Um, our company specifically, we've in the past, what, 10 years or less, we've doubled um, we've doubled our, our income. So that's been really, really cool to see. And our plan is to do that again in the next 10 years is to continue to double our business. Um, we've started adding more premium products where we were known for a long time, I feel like as, um, the affordable option, because we have some really amazing affordable wines in our portfolio that drink way higher than they, you know, they cost $7.99. They're going to taste like a $15 bottle traditionally. Um, but we've invested a lot, really heavily in the past couple of years in, um, in more premium products for that consumer that does have that extra money. We've invested a lot in our liquor portfolio and partnerships with some really high end, nice scotches and whiskeys and stuff that you might like. Um, and then also uh, we've been um, really investing in um, our properties and facilities and, and, um, consumer facing facilities, the hospitality staff out in California as well to really make it more of an experience, which I really think is what the customers are looking for, whether you're drinking a bottle of wine at home or going out to Napa to the, the wineries, is you're looking for an experience and a story to tell. Um, so that's one of the, the cool things that I think I've seen happen over the last couple of years. Yeah, I would, I would just second that. I, I totally agree with Amanda, um, especially on the premiumization um, that we've seen in the past five years. And we, we definitely think that that's a trend that'll continue far into the future. You know, it's like people have gone from, and like you're saying, young, like college students have gone from not really caring what it is and just caring about quantity to saying, you know what, I'd rather drink a little less and spend a little bit more on what I'm drinking and have an overall better experience. Um, and so therefore I'm buying, you know, more expensive things, even if I can't afford to buy as much of them as I would have something else. Well, and another thing that we've seen too, I just thought about, it just popped in my head. I'm sorry to kind of jump back in here, but, um, is e-commerce. I mean, yeah. five years ago, people were not buying alcohol online. We were not getting it delivered to our doors. 
And if the pandemic has taught us anything this year, even though it was already a trend that was on the rise, it all of a sudden just took off at a lot faster to pace than we were, that I think a lot of people were really prepared for. Um, and it's really changed the face of the industry. I think that's something we're gonna see in the next five years that's gonna continue um, and, and increase. It's, it's totally revolutionizing uh, the industry at the moment, I really feel like. Yeah, I agree 100%. E-commerce is, is huge and will continue to be huge um, in the future for sure. So I have a fun question now for the both of you. Um, so imagine this scenario. You are both uh, walking down the street and you happen to find a lottery ticket and you win $10 million. What would you do with the $10 million? Well, I felt like the practical thing is, you know, invest part of it, save part of it, give part of it to a charity. But if we're just going to be real and do something crazy with it, um, <laughs> I would first buy a really big house in my neighborhood because I love my neighborhood. Um, but I would, this is the most ridiculous answer, but I'm very serious about this. My favorite part of going to get my hair done is having someone else wash my hair and just laying back and relax. I think I would pay someone to come wash my hair every day at my house. <laughs> oh my God. I love that too. That's the best feeling, right? Just having those fingers like massage your scalp. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Amanda splurge. <laughs> yes, do I it. Splurge. I would buy a boat, a really nice boat for sure. Um, and probably take a big trip. And then I'm with Amanda. I think I need a full-time masseuse on my staff for sure. <laughs> so um, Amanda, I have a question. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. um, this is an interesting one too. Okay. So probably Oprah, because she just seems really cool probably. Um, Freddie, Freddie Mercury from Queen, I became slightly obsessed with, well, I've always really liked Queen's music, but became slightly obsessed with it after, um, that movie came out last year. Um, oh, well, Tom Petty probably not that super interesting. I'm just a huge fan. I listen to too much old music. I feel like I was born in the wrong decade. Um, <laughs> okay. So Freddie Mercury, Oprah, and, uh, I'll just. Maybe Princess Diana. I bet she's got some interesting oh, stories to tell. Okay. Interesting choices. Have you watched The Crown? Okay, so I watched all of season one. Season two, I'm just, I'm having trouble getting through it. But I feel like I need to finish it before I start the third one since it just came out. So Oprah, Freddie Mercury, and then Princess Diana. Uh -huh. And I think this would be my three probably. Awesome. I just think they're all interesting. They probably have all have really interesting stories to tell about other people. <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey, who would you have dinner with? Uh, I would add Jimmy Buffett to my list for sure. Ooh. How do I be you all the time? <laughs> and then I don't know, maybe like an Elvis, just to throw in somebody that is just so iconic mm -hmm. uh, to get to know him. I like Oprah. That's that's a good option for my third. I think if I become friends with her, she would just take me on trips with her. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to be the new gal. <laughs> Amanda, you're going to have to take a back seat because I've been asking. I want it always to be the next gal or at least a new adopted niece for Oprah. I've been saying that on there. 
Um, I was going to say, I'm going to live that life and I know she'll do something great and for my kids and everything like that. But um, finishing up, I know that we're getting ready for the holidays and the ladies and I, we're big foodies and we always talk about what we're going to make or what we're going to eat. Could you share with us, Ramsey, and then Amanda, definitely if you want to jump in too, what are your three favorite dishes to eat during the holidays? Sure. Okay. So can wine count as a dish as wine? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say it, but absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so number one for sure is wine. Um, especially it's always nice on, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah or New Year's or whatever the holiday might be, we tend to always open something, you know, something out of the cellar that we've been holding on to and kind of waiting for that special occasion. So um, for sure, wine is on my list. Um, definitely one of my other favorite traditions so it's funny, my family, my maiden name was Jones. So we're very like English background, but my sister married an Italian. And if you're Italian, then you know that on Christmas Eve, they do a big meal that's called seven fishes. And it's seven different seafood dishes. And we have adopted that as like our Italian <laughs> um, wannabe family tradition. And I absolutely love having seafood now on uh, Christmas Eve as one of my favorite. It's not just a dish, it's the whole meal, but um, I love it for sure. So, and then I don't know, number three, probably all the candy, <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> That's awesome. Like chocolate out of the stocking, very, very first thing in the morning. Yeah. What about you, Amanda? Uh, well, our big, one of our big traditions at our house, and it started with my best friend's grandmother, and somehow it's transformed over the years, and my, my dad now makes his cake. Of all the people in my family, my dad's baking. Um, and it's a 10-layer chocolate cake that was published, like, in our church cookbook back in the 80s. Um, but it's just, yeah, 10 layers of chocolate, and it takes hours to make. It's such, such a hassle. But... Um, that's kind of our big tradition. We always get it. We always make a 10 layer cake and just eat it till we're sick. Um, and then I have finally, finally found a macaroni and cheese recipe that I like after trying many, many of them. So that's become my new favorite thing to make is, um, it's my mac and cheese. Um, I'm not sure if that really fits into a fancy dinner, but it's, I think you'll have to share it with me. My kids are obsessed with mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. It's it's now a vegetable as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both for sharing your favorite dishes. So this concludes our interview portion of Real World Talks. Now we're going to go into our game portion called This or That. So I will ask you guys seven questions and provide two options for those questions. And then you guys will share with me which option you prefer more and we'll have 10 seconds to answer each question. I'm probably going to amend the time frame because it's both of you guys. So <laughs> are you guys ready? Ready. Yeah. All right. Number one, would you rather drink wine for the rest of red wine for the rest of your life or drink white wine for the rest of your life? Red. White. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, would you rather find a spider in your hair or a snake in your house? A spider in my hair or a snake, yeah, in, my snake in my house? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably least scared of spiders. Okay. Yeah, I actually think I'd rather have a spider in my hair, oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so I, I think I know the answer for Amanda for this one. So I want to hear, Ramsey, and both of you at least. So would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ability to speak. Okay, and Amanda? No, oh, I talk way too much for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you'd rather lose the ability to read. Okay, next one. Would you rather star on a popular holiday music single, like, you know, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, and, or star in a popular holiday movie, like The Grinch Who Steals Christmas, Who Stole Christmas? I would love to be able to sing. I can't, but that would be a goal, for sure. I was gonna say, for the sake of everyone else in the world, I should probably pick the movie, because <laughs> it's my life. Awesome, awesome, so the, Next one is, would you rather have to read aloud every word you read off a of paper or sing everything you say out loud? <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, probably sing. No, I really can't sing, but I have so much trouble <laughs> reading out loud. <laughs> I, I got to go with read out loud. Okay. Next one. Go see deep sea diving or bungee jumping. Oh, um, for me for sure. I'm scared of bungee jumping. Yeah, I'm kind of scared of both, I think, but I would probably deep sea diving. Okay, last one Would you rather go in the past and meet your ancestors or go in the future and meet your great great grandchildren? Well, being that I don't have children, I think I'm gonna have to go backwards. <laughs> I have little kids, so I'd love to meet my great-great-grandchildren. Awesome. So, you guys, this is the end of our game portion. Yay. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> Amanda, I expect you to sing everything from here on out. I know. <laughs> oh, well, this concludes our Real World Talks podcast. Thank you both so much for joining us today, Amanda and Ramsey. We truly enjoyed the conversation. And we would love to definitely have you guys back. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. We're, uh, we would love to join again sometime. It was fun. Absolutely. This was a blast. Perfect. And for all our listeners, tune in next week for another episode. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Ramsey. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. You too. Bye. Bye.